Yo, Steve, what's up? Yo, what up? Uh, I already left. Perfect. We're all on time. Aside from Nav. We are here live from Red Hook. Morty Rock just entered the building. His Uber pool from New Jersey just came in. A lot of traffic out there. Thank you guys for being in the building. My man Marty just going to come on a set like this. Uh, I wanted to start off the show by actually kicking it off and, and, and bringing up a couple things that happened to me this month. Uh, last time we did the show was July 21st. We just came off that yacht party with Funk Flex. A great success. Again, thank you for everybody coming out to that. The Camillo interview went really well. We're super excited to put that on our platform. Go check that out. That's going to be up there for a while because, number one, I'm just really, really enjoying getting to know these guys on a more personal level when they come on the show because a lot of the times you guys don't understand back at home that these people are people before they're nightlife workers. And what really, what really, what really, the objective of this show is to bridge the gap between the nightlife worker and the nightlife consumer. I'm tired of the consumer not appreciating that the fact that we actually have a job to do. This is a job. This is not a nine to five. It might start later than your job, but it's a job. And again, just like you have a job and you come into it and you might not be happy, you might not be in the best mood ever, it doesn't matter. You still have to clock in. And we do too. And I think the difference is we can't clock out because we're beating the calendar. At the end of the day, once the birthday, once you have July 20th, your yacht party hits, you got to be there. If let's say I lost somebody in my life where let's say I had a funeral that morning or unfortunately something else happened in my personal life, it won't matter. It never will matter. Because at the end of the day, you're fighting against the calendar. And if you don't show up, somebody else will. And if I don't come correct, you'll use somebody else. And I think that unlike you guys, when you guys take maternity leave, when you guys take leave for sickness, when you take, you guys have that sense of security. You have that, that net behind you. We don't. So understand, if you see us in the club and you see us upset, you see us maybe not smiling too much, there's other shit going on in our lives. Respect it. And maybe, maybe you'll let us grow a little bit, mature, 
and you might actually enjoy watching us because I'm telling you, this life is way more intense than any other job. So give us the time, give us that benefit of the doubt before you come in and we'll get it to you because our job is to make your experience the best possible and that's what we're there for and we'll continue to deliver that. Just sometimes I feel like we're not appreciated as actual workers and that's the objective of this show, to really bring the realization to the industry that this is a job that we actually are trying to bring some respect in. That being said, from Brooklyn, New York, heavy hitter, some call him El Presidente, the big Spanish DJ. Uh -huh. DJ enough in the building, guys. Make some noise one time. Boom, boom, boom. Turn it on. My mic's off. Uh, I'm good. All right, you come. You, I was going watching documentaries. I was watching, doing all my research, and it's almost as if you don't fit this era. It's almost as if you're straight up the double OG that was and never changed. I see a lot of guys adapt and try to change their personality. You know, start wearing some streetwear. You've never, ever, ever bought into that. Nah. Why? I can't. I got to be who I am. Um, plus, I always felt like me trying to be or trying to fit into. What was what's cool right now? Maybe a pair of sneakers, mm -hmm. but that's about it. You know, I'm old school jeans, t-shirt. I've been like this for a long time, <laughs> and it works. I think jeans and t-shirts still work. You know, style-wise. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I, I, I never even realized that. Nah, I never, I never seen you change up at all. You literally stayed the same exact. And and it, I think it's also why people trust you so much is because there's that that feel that this is who you're gonna get. This is right. a genuine, mm -hmm. this is a genuine relationship that this is what you're gonna get every time. Right. Uh, talking about the old school mentality, I was watching a documentary with Kobe Bryant and he mentioned how when he was in high school, he would mop the floors for his father in between just to be close to the game. We don't see that in, 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 in nightlife anymore. We don't see the carrying of the crates. We don't see somebody just standing next to the DJ booth for hours soaking it in. Right. So when was the first time you showed some humility in, in that sense? Um. There was a famous club in Times Square called the Latin Quarter. And in 1986, the year the Mets won the World Series, I remember specifically working at Sabaro's. Sabaro's was an Italian eatery, literally located around the corner from uh, Latin Quarters. So my job was to literally do my gig, and then once the gig was over, I would go right to Latin Quarters. It was, it was the closest I could get to anything real. You know, Fat Raul was the DJ on certain nights or Red Alert or, you know, I would see Bismarcky in the bathroom, like just weird places. But that was the place where, for me, all the stars came out. It was my first taste of like watching artists perform, seeing DJs DJ. And the scene was just so electrifying that I was like, I need a part of this. I need, I need in. I mean, I knew previously way before that I wanted in, but it was, this was the first time I got to really see what Knife Live was all about. And not, not you know, we're talking, and prior to that, I mean, I did team, par I went out to team parties, probably 83, 84, but it wasn't until 86 that I got to really see it. And I was like, this is amazing. Now back then, you know, DJ booths were way up in the top. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'd be, the, I'd be the kid on the floor, like, just staring, you know, hoping to get any kind of glimpse of the DJ booth. But, yeah. You talk about this 
wanting to be on the scene, right? I speak to a lot of people in nightlife, and they're always like, I want to be on the scene. I don't know where I fit. Mm -hmm. Where did you find your fit as a DJ? Um, I think, to be honest with you, uh, my genetic makeup is, I guess, the people that were immediately around me. So when I first started DJing, or when the first time I touched the turntables, had to be around 83. And I was in, I was just leaving junior high school, going into high school. Um, so the vibes back then was just club music, uh, dance music, hip hop was just a baby. Um, even reggae music was just starting to happen too for, for us, you know, so a little bit of everything. You know, I, I grew up in the Lower East Side, the, the majority of my living in Brooklyn, and it was culture shock with music for me. Back in the Lower East Side, it was very predominantly Spanish music, salsa music, merengue music, uh, dance, hip hop, that kind of stuff. And then when I moved to Flatbush, it became soca music and reggae music and dance hall. So it's kind of like, just imagine a young kid in, in the 80s picking up all these different sounds. You speak and of I, the and, 80s as the venue choosing the music that's going to be played, and then you have to follow that, correct? What'd you say? Meaning you're, you're saying that the venues themselves are playing Spanish music in Lower East Side. They're playing this type of music yeah, here. Yeah, everything. It was just... But that, the venue that, is that, the one who's pushing that, the narrative. Yeah, that, that's what's happening. You know, so I looked at it like, well, this, my aunts and uncles go to this club, and then they come back and tell me what it is, even before I could go outside. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's just, it's just to share knowledge. All my DJ equipment and all my records came from my uncle, you know, who... Who, got, who was married to my aunt, and I guess she kicked him out the house, and she was like, do you want to buy DJ equipment? <laughs> and I was like, really? I was like, really? So I got some, uh, I think, SB1s or, or Technique SB2s, something with the curved arms, a mixer. I don't even remember if it was a Newmark or Gemini, whatever it was, and a bunch of disco records. You know, so this is the early 80s, so I'm assuming all the records are from the 70s. Mm -hmm. You know, so the majority of disco was popping, so... I got a whole shitload of creative disco records, you know, so I got to get my disco on, my club dance on, and my breakbeats on. <laughs> I'm more asking specifically to the venue because I think it interests me a lot that back then the venue really decided what music was going to be played. Yeah, absolutely. And then in the 90s right. it kind of went to, okay, now we're going to follow the DJ when the tunnel comes and all the other great venues come in. Now it's about the DJ. The 2000s come in, Serato comes in, and the adjustment, all the technology comes in. And now you have not the DJ telling you what to play, not the club telling you what to play. You have a list on Billboard that tells you what to play. Mm. How have you seen the transition go from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and really well, adapt to it's, that? It's still 2019 to me, and I don't let no club dictate what, what I play. You know, unless, you know, there's certain records I know I have to play. But for the most part, I still try to give them who I am as a DJ. Because in the early 90s, the DJ would always say, all right, I'm gonna play this brand new record. You guys get up on this. And then week, week after week, they would hear the same record. Yep. And after a while, they're like, okay, this record's amazing. I love this record. So we would actually program them into liking the songs. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, there's playlist records and there's records that blow up on the internet, that kind of stuff. So I kind of give it a 60-40. I still gotta give them 40% at least of who I am or my interpretation of that. So whether it's talking, cutting, scratching, mixing, blending, some open format, you know, music of some sort, like there's gotta be a way we could kind of bridge the gap. 
Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if not, then they don't need me. They have a ton of other DJs who could play the playlist. But it's exactly that. It's exactly yeah. that. It went from turntables to, you know, to finding your own records to breaking records. Now that we're in this era where everything is online and like you have your royalty has to be your, your song has to be played all the way through for your royalty to hit. I mean, your music has to come from an online source as opposed to a radio source. So now that you don't have the leverage to now break new music, I saw FlexFest last week, and I was actually super impressed by the amount of people that were still, the artists that still came out, because for me, we're not in that era no more. We're not in the era where the radio DJ is breaking your records. So how have you guys at but I think, but I think Yeah, but I think we still are breaking records. This is where, this is well, where, this is where a lot of people are confused, right? So imagine it like a parking lot. Okay, so we have... The radio, whatever radio station, I don't care what it is. I'm on four radio stations. You can pick any one. But let's say we have monthly parkers, right? People who pay monthly. So that would probably consist of uh, your Drakes, right? Maybe Nicki Minaj, Rick Ross, maybe a Young M.A., maybe whatever. All the new guys, they might be popping on the Internet, but they still might not be good enough to be on a Hot 97. And you would be like, well, why not? Because the station still revolves and the station still, we, we believe in relationships. We believe in us being able to, like as a station, we have to make sure our listeners get the best. Yeah, we, we want a concert for our listeners. Yeah, we want whatever. There's a bunch of records that my kids listen to. There's Little Key, Young Nudie, a bunch of these artists, and they're blowing up on the internet. We don't play them on the radio. We don't have to. Just as much as they don't, need us we might not need them so it it this there has to be some sort of balance and we could we the djs or us the programmers could pick and choose and say you know what this artist works for us this artist works for us that might not work for us because if you're telling us or if the people are saying young kids don't listen to radio anymore and then when do they listen to the radio is it only when they're not in control of the car is it because they're in the back seat and the parents are driving up and down? If that's the case, then we win because I'm still playing for my peers. I'm still playing for the people who live and love radio. And at this point, radio's still free. All the other platforms, you gotta pay $7.99 or $8.99 or $10.99 a month to get the music where we kind of still navigate that. And I think not for nothing, I think people still wanna hear a Camillo or a Flex or a DJ end up say, say this record's hot. This artist is dope. Because you might be on your own, on your own platform, whatever platform it is, you might be playing some music and you could be digging it, but you don't know if anybody else is digging it. Unless you're looking at numbers and if, if that's what makes you feel like it's validated, then that might work for you. But you might be in the car or on some sort of list or you, Flex says this is the bomb or Enough says I like this record. You might be like, yeah, hmm. cool. I like that record too. That might still work for us. I want to I wanna kind of flip it on the DJ. Now, talking about radio DJs, you mentioned about the artists that we don't always need them. They don't we always need us. And the numbers that they have are numbers reflective to the society. It's not reflective to the talent or... Exactly. Right? Now, let's flip it to radio. Or the town or city. Either or. You now know what let's, I'm saying? You now, could have a gazillion views. In, abroad in and Europe. And maybe every, all those views are from UK. Mm-hmm. You know and what I'm saying? What is, what is... What is how do, how do I know that the guy on Flatbush Avenue and Avenue K likes or not likes this record? So can we agree that 
if you take the same exact template of thinking and put it on the radio DJ, and you take the template of thinking that the programmers are the guys downtown, right? I get a lot of complaints that radio DJs don't get enough love downtown. They don't get enough love at parties like mine. And I always respond, listen, at the end of the day, it has to make sense. Oh, but we like, uh, yeah, but I know why. You don't know why? You want me to tell you why? No, we'll get to the why. We'll oh, okay. To, of course we'll get to I the could why. just tell you why. No, we know why. Because <laughs> before why. you were even DJing, I yeah. could tell you why. Well, I definitely, again, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm, no, go ahead, Jason, go I'm ahead. Try, I'm trying go to ahead. say more of, uh, one, it's more of, an understanding to me because I, I, I there's a radio DJ stigma, right? Put that aside. Let's put it face value. If you have 300,000 followers on Instagram, you're on Hot 97. It still might not add up to what I'm trying to do. Absolutely. And I think that they, there's a big gap between the people who are booking talent and the people who are talented because they think that they're being told, hey, your EPK has to look a certain way. You have to wear streetwear. You have to wear Supreme. You have to wear off-white. On top of that, you have to have a great photographer with you at all places. And then on top of all that, you have to have 300,000 followers on Instagram that half of them are bought, half of them are not. You know what I mean? But ergo, how am I supposed to have a conversation with you without you being offended that I just don't need this type of brand right now? That this right. is not going to help doing what I need to do. Right. And I'm struggling at communicating that. So being someone who programs rooms like that, how would you give somebody like me advice um, to approach something like that? I mean, do you want a radio DJ at your nightclub? I think the specific ones that I've as you said, built relationships with are important to me. Okay. So Flex, Camillo, right. you, I don't know. Right. But that gears towards my crowd. The response that I got from them, from my crowd when I had them on, was great. That doesn't mean it's going to extend on to other people. Right. So, so right now, I'm comfortable in these relationships. Yeah, I think, I think the guys you're talking about who guys have already been in those spaces or been in those rooms, those rooms, I mean, to be honest, all the rooms you're talking about have been the same rooms for eons. If you're talking about up and down, it used to be Nels, you know, or before, you know, whatever club. It, it, the same stigmatism that it had in the 80s, it had in the 90s, it had in the early 2000s, and it still has to this day. It's about real estate. It's about power. It's about the kind of people they would like to be downtown to represent what they think is the best of nightlife. You know, it, you look at the blueprint of, like, Studio 54, what, Peter, what Gation did and Steve and those guys, that's, that's, that's kind of the blueprint. Every promoter, every club owner wants that. So if you're going to invite a Funkmaster Flex who has 500,000 followers or a, mil a million thousand followers and the majority of them are male, dominant, hip-hop heads, you as an owner are going to say, well, I don't want that in my space. But what about... His talent is based on his talent. So they were afraid of all our radio listeners coming to your function and fucking the party up. But it's not the case. For the most part, it's just, we know the music. Let us get in there and do what we have to do. It's your crowd. We're just going to go in there and, and turn it upside down and have a great time. Mm -hmm. And be like, all right, see you next month, Jay. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's the, that, the base of it is really that, for the most part. Um, but also, to be honestly, sometimes, and this is not to disrespect nobody, but yeah, they book me at One Oak once in a while. Yeah, up and down. The money's horrible. All right? So, so, so I understand it's a prestigious nightclub, and I get that. And then no one's disrespecting that. If that's what you guys want to do, and that's how you want to raise your, 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 your kids, your kids, I got kids. I got mortgage to pay, so mm -hmm. I'm gonna go to another place, and they're gonna pay me a way 
a, a lot more money. Yeah, I agree with and, you. And, and it's just it's just cooler like that. So it's like, okay, I'm gonna go with whoever respects my craft, who respects me as a business person. That's where I kind of want to be at. No, I completely agree with you. And this this bizarre thing that New Jersey DJs really want to come to New York and DJ mind blows me because the budget is half the price. Obviously, you guys have way more real estate in in, in, in New Jersey, so you guys can pay the DJ that much. And it's absurd to well, me that you guys want to do New well, York it's that just, badly. It's FOMO, bro. It is. It, it's I agree. That, that's all it is. It, it is. And exactly everybody that. everybody goes through it. They're like, damn, enough. You're not doing up and down this month. Oh. I'm like, oh, do I have to? At this point in my career, I don't think me doing an up and down or a one note is going to make or break my career. Agreed. I'm sorry. I put too much work in already. But um, but once in a while, you know what? If there's a, a young DJ Stacks who says, yo, you got to do up and down. It's crazy. The vibe is good. I might listen to him because he's my boy and he's going to give me some good advice. Mm -hmm. So I say, you know what? Let's go check out up and down. Let's go hang out. I'm just using this one club as an example. But And if it's something that seems interesting and fun, then let's do it. Let's have a great time. Let's rock and roll. In the past, clubs used to sneak us in. They used to sneak a flex in or DJ enough or whatever. Never promote us. Never tell anybody we were coming. The house would be packed. We'd come and do a half an hour set, hour set, turn the place upside down, and then it's a win. That's how they used to do it. But we get paid a nice chunk of money, and we keep it moving. You, you bring in back back in the day stuff. I want to take it back, take it back to the 90s, take it back to the early, early 90s, early okay. 90s. Let's go like 1992, 1993, okay, around, cool. around that area. Um, this whole DJing to going on tour transition, when does it come to be? How, how do you kind of adapt to okay. that lifestyle? Okay. And how was it presented to you? In 93, 94, I had my own show on KISS FM radio before Hot 97. Actually, Hot 97 was already on. Flex had just left a few months or a year prior to start Hot 97. The guys who owned Hot 97 bought out Kiss FM, so I ended up losing my job. But the crazy part is, on my last day, and this is how old it is, a fax, a fax came through, and they were like, we want to book you in Switzerland. I'm like, holy shit, Switzerland. First time getting booked overseas. Mm -hmm. So I go overseas. I, I get up with this kid named Fr uh, Cut Killer, incredible French DJ. Uh, we end up doing Switzerland, France, and a few other places. And the, the first thing out of everybody's mouths were, where's Ron G? Where's DJ Clue? Where's Doo-Wop? Where's all the famous mixtape DJs? And nobody was going overseas back then. Mm -hmm. Maybe Tony Touch, Red Alert, a few others. Um, come back, do a couple of shows, and then um, because of Kiss FM, I got to, I got to leak ready to die on Kiss FM from a cassette tape. And Biggie loved me for it. Puffy hated me for it. But um, back then, we didn't understand uh, marketing, single releases, uh, you know, whatever they were trying to, you know, whatever the rollout was for the label. That's my man from Brooklyn. He loved me. Mm -hmm. He gave me his cassette. He said, play whatever you want. I did. <laughs> so he, we had a special bond with that. And my relationship with Big, it started just as simple as that, playing his music and him not being able to get into a downtown club. The same thing we're talking about. 14th Street, you know, downtown. You know, it's just, it's, 
it wasn't meant for us, you know what I'm saying, at the time. But I would always talk to the owners, talk to the promoters. He's a great guy. Let him in. He's an artist. He's getting ready to do his thing. That's how the relationship built. And then somewhere around 94, Puff asked me to be his DJ full-time because Clark was doing all these incredible remixes and doing A&R and stuff, and his, his mixes were blowing up, and it was his time for him to graduate. I took on the reins, and I was like, oh, shit, I'm a show DJ now. And it was kind of ill because I was a little bit older than Biggie. And I was like, this guy's paying my bills. <laughs> <laughs> but it felt kind of crazy. But, um, you know, we, we, we developed an incredible relationship. He loved when I used to give him mixtapes because ideas came from the mixtapes. You know, hearing samples, hearing songs, and he would just vibe out to them. And I think he was actually rapping in his head to them, like in the car and that kind of stuff. So me being a tour DJ was my new thing. And... Um, it was nice because I got to see the country in a different perspective. You know, always being stuck in New York or Brooklyn or whatever it is, you know, we saw it from our perspective. But now I'm going to Sacramento, I'm going to Chicago, I'm going to Florida, I'm going to Canada, I'm going to all these different places and seeing what the music sounds like over there. And being able to be the, the soundtrack for one of the greatest rappers, I don't know, it's a blessing, bro. Like, I can't even... I can't even understand it to this day. A lot of people probably ask you about like the crazy tour stories. I'm more interested in like the intimate studio sessions. Was there any time on, on the road where you got to hear him play a specific song and now that when you listen to that song, like, damn, I actually heard him record yeah, that yeah. record. I remember like, I mean, there's a few moments, you know, like I'm in, um, I'm in the studio when he's making more money, more problems. Oh, wow. And I'm like, yeah, what the fuck are you flipping? And it's Diana Ross. And then, and the way it sounded at the time, I said, yeah, you crazy. I, I thought he was nuts, you know, but he flipped it. And then when I got to hear the finished version, I was like, wow, night and day. It was crazy. Um, same thing with, uh, you know, we got to produce a, a Pepsi commercial that never got to come out. It's leaked. You probably could find it online. But, you know, doing things like that were amazing to him. Like, he loved music so much and, and the fact that I was producing back then, me and my man Jiv, um, it was amazing for us to just like give us him, him some alley-oops and stuff. Mm -hmm. We produced uh, you know, by Somebody Kills You on the album, on the Ready to Die album. And then we produced the Pepsi commercial, we produced the Get Money remix, which was dope, that went platinum for us. So it's like little things like that, just that, you know, to be honest with you, he co-signed. And I think that was that intimate relationship that we had. It was only seven of us on the road. And when you're seven people on the road and you're on tour buses and airplanes and flights, you get to get, you know, you get, you get close. And we get to build with each other. So I'm glad I got to bond with him like that. You speak about this getting close on the road and, and going on tour with, with only seven people, which is really intimate now that you mention it. I see a lot of, a lot of DJs now um, with the way they have their entourage and the way they keep people around them, you know, they're more, they're more nervous because there's cameras everywhere, there's video everywhere, there's, there's what a if, phone everywhere. What are they nervous about? Well, everybody's nervous about the side they can't show everybody else. So, like, I guess when they get into uh, a club and there's too many people around them, you could... People lie to you about their past, so the people around them are usually the people that are going to contradict that story. So, if, let's say the DJ's up there. You have some friend from back in the day with you from high school days. He's standing next to you. I'm the promoter. I'm just telling you true stories, man. 
I'm the promoter. I'm standing by the DJ booth doing my job. And this dude's going to lean in my ear and tell me this whole dude's life story without even me asking him. Oh, shit. He thinks he's doing him a favor. Right. But he's telling me stuff that. Yeah. But again, that's what they're scared stuff of. That's they, 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 yeah, they, they, I mean, there's, there's, there's different stuff that they're scared of to Absolutely. come to light. But you guys went on tour with none of that. Is that kind of. Do you wish you had a camera there? Or do you like um, love the fact that you, you enjoy those memories and nobody else does? There's some moments that I wish the camera was on because there was a lot of magical moments that can't repeat itself. Like, if you ever seen the movie Notorious, there was a part where they're talking to me and like DJ Enough dropped the beat and it was in like California or something. That wasn't in California, that was in Atlanta, Georgia. And the reason why I noticed is because Big was getting a lot of flack from his crew, his boys, the label, everybody, because Pac was doing disc records and Big never kind of applied to nothing. He said little subliminals and things like that, but he never made a disc record. So the, the closest thing for, for us was like, it was the first time he spoke to the audience. He spoke to the crowd and he was kind of addressing what him and Pac were going through. And for months and months and months, he wouldn't perform Who Shot Ya? because of what he thought people might think you know, it meant. That had nothing to do with Pac, it had to do with something else. So we had a magical evening in Atlanta, and I was like, oh my God, he's gonna perform the record, I feel it. And you know, this is pre-Serato, there's no CDs and nothing like that, it's vinyl, so I'm, I'm, I'm like, is he gonna play it, is he gonna do it? So I had it on deck, and then out of nowhere, he just, he, he cued it, he said it, and I was just ready on the fly. And I went, chick, 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 who shot you? And he performed. Now, it might not seem as uh, impactful, incredible the way I'm saying it, but if there was a camera there, you know, that might have been something that the people for the first time should have been able to see. You know, and that's a story that I wish people could have, I could have shared with people. You know, um, all the other stuff, eh, probably not. You know, it was, it was, it was a hard time. You know, the, the, the country was really divided. You know, we go to certain places and we weren't as accepted as you might think we were. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it's, it was a tough time, you know? And, um, and to be honest with you, I'll be, I don't care what nobody says, it was a rougher time. You know, it was a really rough time. Like, street kids around, people around, you know, it was tough. Coming from Brooklyn, being that he was from Brooklyn, and you're telling me about the chemistry you guys had, because obviously you guys had this telekinetic... Absolutely. You know? There, there has to be something to talk about the upbringing of, of people from Brooklyn. I'm from Brooklyn as well. And, and again, I've never... I'm not fun at life. I'm not tough. Nothing like that. But again... Me either. But, you know what? But you know what it is? It's us, it's us not... It's us understanding that and being comfortable right. in our own skin mm -hmm. that makes us acceptable in those crowds. And I always tell my friends, just don't, just, just be you, bro. Like, yeah, absolutely. I'm not that dude. Like, absolutely. I'm not that dude. I never was. But the beautiful thing about Brooklyn is we were, we were trained to not text each other to hang out. It's just go outside. Who's outside? Let's go hang out outside. Mm -hmm. When you guys were on tour, is there any moment where you guys are just like, yo, fuck this hotel room. Let's go check the city out. We about to go to the hood, <laughs> hang out with everybody, just drink and relax and kick it. Tell me more about that life we tried some of that stuff but i think by that time he was just starting to get too popular so what might seem 
maybe easy for me and you was not as easy for him. Like, you know, we went to Chicago a few times, did some shows with Common, did some shows with Jermaine Dupree, did some shows with Method Man. Um, going to the hood, that was something that more Little C's did for us. It was shout like, out to Little C, by yeah, the way. Yeah, shout out to Little C. I think it was more because it's like simple things like, yo, go get some good weed. You know what I mean? So you got to go to the hood for that. You know what I'm saying? So C's and Big, they like to go to Compton and they like to, I'd be like, nah, I'm staying here in the hotel. <laughs> But that's the shit. That's the shit that they would like to do. Those are the stories that, that to me meant a lot too because they weren't afraid of anything. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? They, they wanted to be loved. And look, we almost got killed by gangsters. And after after the beef was over, the same guys who were trying to kill us wanted to roll dice with us, wanted to drink with us, wanted to go get bitches together, and 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 fucking it's crazy. So it's like you handle the street shit. But then once the street shit is finished, they become groupies just like everybody else. Real talk. That's, that's the life we led. That's what we were dealing with. We spoke about, well, you spoke about racial divide a couple of minutes ago, and I want to touch on that. During, during my research, I was, I, I was also, uh, well, the JC the story dropped yesterday, and he partners with the NFL. And New York City goes into a, into a spiral. A frenzy. A frenzy. A frenzy. What are your thoughts on this subject? Um, I think this interview is about me, not about Jay-Z. But, well, it, it, it but, segued me in with the racial. It, 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 I mean, it's, it's a tough call, man. Jay's too smart. And I, he, we, we were just talking about it on the way in, into, the, into, the, into the interview, that we felt like Jay's too smart. And something's not adding up in this equation. You know what I'm saying? I know it's about business. I know he's a businessman. He's made a lot of incredible deals. But the one thing that we can never forget is that if you look outside, like we're in Red Hook, these neighborhoods, these areas, this is what made us. You know what I'm saying? So I'll leave it at that. But for the most part, you know, you see I'm still wearing a biggie. Yep. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I, I personally. It's, it's a tough one. You know, to be honest with you, it's a tough one. I just, I think some things need to be said from a perspective that I can't get, I don't know, I've never been in that situation. I'm not, I don't understand how people can speak on something like that when you're not in that position. Right. So I felt that somebody like yeah. you that knows. Yeah, but I'm still not in that position. You know what I mean? In the sense like, Jay doesn't call my, my house. He doesn't mm -hmm. be like, yo, enough, I need you to. If he did, then maybe it'd be a different story and I could share that with you. But for the most part, Jay's Jay. He's in a different space. His... His tax bracket is it's way above it's all different. of us. I'm, I meant more of like you your opinion I mean? matters more than mine in this subject. That's what. No, that's, that's not kinda... true. This is your show. Huh? Your opinion does matter. Appreciate. That's that. why I'm here. That is because why I respect what you're doing. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, let's take it to the 2000s, man. Let's take it. Let's let's get more current. Let's get off that. Okay. Uh, let's get current. So let's talk 2000s. Hot 97. When do you start programming? When do you start taking Hot 97 from, let's say, just a DJ? to the programming director to, to, to filling in that position? Um, the programming part just started maybe three, four years ago. You know, for the most part, I've always been like a veteran DJ up there. You know, Flex, Mr. C at the time, and I'm trying to think who else. A few others, maybe even Red Alert. You know, we're all like the, the grandfathers of Hot 97. Um, at this point, I'm probably the second Longest 
running this jockey up there besides Flex. Um, and it's always, became, it's always because, for Flex is different. He created it, he mastered it, he has a voice, he speaks to people five hours a night. For me, it's always been an hour or two max. And it's, for me, it's always been about the music. You know, I, I don't have an opinion on this guy shaking his ass or this girl slapping it. I don't care. You know, I don't care who dates who. I don't care who, who breaks up with what. It's to me, it's always been about the music. And I think people respect me for that. So I'm not doing the morning show. I'm not doing the afternoon drive. I'm not doing the gossip. I'm not doing none of that. M-U-S-I-C, music, and that's it. And I think that's what separates me from a lot of other DJs. I see the upcoming DJ a lot geared towards the clout rather than the music. And I think that's where, that's where it stems. That's where the problem begins. You know, the, the problem begins in what you want and what you love. If you're gonna work for what you love, you're gonna do it way better than what you do for in other, uh, other reason that you're coming Absolutely. up with. Absolutely. Um, and you see a lot of these kids just wanna do it for clout. They just wanna get the followers. They wanna be in the, nice, in the nightlife space. As somebody who's a mentor, or as somebody who's looked up to as, how do we change this, this mentality? Well, for me, especially the close ones who are around me, like I got a couple of guys who are around me, like a, a young Mike Medium, big fan of your, big fan of your show. Like, really? hands down, was like, oh my God, I can't believe you're doing that. That's my favorite show. You know what I mean? That's crazy. But I fuck with him. And I'm like, who made Sean's the beat? What year it came out? And what was the reason why you know, at the end of the record, a sound effect that was probably one of the biggest DJ turntableist sound effects of all time. So he goes, he checks out, does the homework. He gives me the year, the label it's on, who made the record. And then he gave me some information that I didn't even know. You know, like who recorded it, why they put it back there. That's what is needed. It doesn't mean it's gonna make or break their career, but it's, it's, it's nice to know that you've done a little homework, especially in reference to our pioneers. And I don't care if it's house music, hip hop, rap, whatever it is, there's gotta be a way where we could educate them and give them a little bit of, a little bit of the past and hopefully they could slightly incorporate some of that in today. Because, okay, if they're doing it for clout, can they at least mix? If they're doing it for clout, can they at least blend? If they're doing it for clout, can they at least, you know, some of those basic fundamentals of what a true DJ is supposed to be, if they, if they could do some of that, let them clout chase all the fuck they want. That's what, that's what it is today. It is. And I'm cool with that. I'm not hating on that. The one thing about me is that I might be a triple OG, but I'm not hating on the future. I'm not hating on, that's why I got a bunch of young motherfuckers around me because I can see what's happening but also I can mentor them and put them in a space and hopefully put them in a better space that, than I've ever even been in. If I could push the, for, the, the culture forward, especially the DJ culture, I'm all for it. Heavy hitters, DJ culture to the max. How did you start the heavy hitters and what qualifies someone to become a heavy hitter? To be honest with you, the heavy hitter thing came because me and Flex were in a crew called the Flip Squad DJs. And, and, and if anybody knows what the Flip Squad DJs is, the Flip Squad DJs was probably one of the first club 
DJ collectors out of the East Coast, outside of the turntable crews, you know what I'm saying? They had the Scratch Pickles, they had the, you know, the Steve D Superman and the Executioners, and they, they had those crews. But from a club perspective, I don't remember anybody really doing a DJ collective like that. So this was something that was, uh, let, me, let me wait, or oh, we're live, like we're Funk, live, right? I feel like Funk Flex just we're, pulled up we're live. This we're is live. one of his four trucks. We're live, so, um, so we were all managed by Jessica Rosenblum at the time, famous promoter. Um, and, and the crew consisted of uh, me, Frankie Cutlass, DJ Riz, Big Cap, Biz Marquis, Mark Ronson, Cypher Sounds. Uh, I know there's a few I'm forgetting, and I, I apologize. But anyway, that was our collective. And he did his thing with it. He made records. You know, he did the tunnel. And, and then he wanted to start his new DJ collective, the Big Dog Pitbulls. And he said, I, I couldn't be in the crew. <laughs> Wait, what? Wait, hold up, y'all. Wait, for real? Yeah, I swear to God. So he was like, nah, I want to I do my own thing. You know, you know, this is something that, I, you know, because I think the prior crew, Flip Squad, even though he was the leader of it, he didn't pick it. It was kind of like Jessica Rosenblum who picked the, the guys. Mm -hmm. This was something he wanted to handpick himself. And, you know, he said he didn't want me down with the crews. So I was salty. I was mad. I said, what the fuck? What you mean? Da, da, da. And, um, but he told me years later, he said, to be honest with you enough, out of all the DJs in the city, you gave me a run for my money, you know, club for club, scratch for scratch, record for record. And it was just, he, he, was, he was honest, and he said he was intimidated by me at the time. You know, now it's nothing. We brothers, and it's all good. He needs something, I need something. And we compete internally, and we know we, we have conversations and shit. You know, he's doing his lit digital DJs now, you know, heavy hitters, whatever. But I'm 20 years in with heavy hitters, and it's all because of Flex, because he didn't want me in his DJ crew. And, uh, and I, I promise you, that's just how it started. And, yeah. and, and, and DJ Threat, rest in peace, DJ Threat, kid from Long Island, um, was driving me around at the time. We're working, working for Rough Riders. Uh, he said, yo, start your own DJ collective. Facts. I was like, word, son. We're going to start our own <laughs> shit. And then me and him in the city, and I, I, I was like, well, who the fuck we going to put down? And then here comes DJ Camillo coming around the corner. What about DJ Camillo? He's mad cool, right? <laughs> it was like, yo, Camillo. Yo, what's up, E? Yo, Threat, what's good? You want to get down with us? We start a new crew called the Heavy Hitter DJs. He goes, all right, cool, let's do it. <laughs> that was the, that's, I swear to God, it was born just like that. And then, you know, internally with my boys, Haitian Pat and DP1, and, you know, we just slowly but surely started to grow. But we wanted to put some sort of marker on it and said, how are we going to handpick these DJs? So off the bat, I'm like, okay, this is a Spanish DJ crew, right? <laughs> all three that's, of you are Spanish, right? Yeah, not that that's what we wanted. It just happened. Like, I'm Puerto Rican. This guy, Camilo's Colombian. DJ Threat's half Irish and Dominican. So I'm like, what a fucking mixture. But I was like, you know, and I didn't think about it back then. Like, I need a white DJ, a black DJ. I just, I, I kind of just 
picked who I knew and who was popping. And not for nothing, right around that time when we started handpicking heavy hitters, like, no disrespect, but the Latin fusion was here in the city and it blew the fuck up. And this Latin thing came and reggaeton was on fire and dance music and fucking Fat Joe and J-Lo, Mark Anthony. The city was on fire and that didn't hurt. I was rocking with Angie Martinez on the radio. Mm -hmm. Like the Latin movement was kind of popping. So it kind of worked out for us. Heavy hitters now is what, like around 100 DJs, 98? Uh, I would say around 87. 87 DJs. Now you have... Um, now, not all 87 are popping. Nah. There's, you know, there's, there's, there's a few that are dead and stinking, but I don't believe in ever kicking anybody out. Once you're family, you're family. You know what I'm saying? And they know what time it is. And, you know, we just concentrate on the ones who are moving and need help and, and want the help. I'm going to drop a heavy hitter DJ. Just tell me the first thing that kind of comes up to your mind. Uh, DJ Mauricio. Pain the ass. <laughs> he's still a DJ, right? Yeah. Pain okay, the ass. But he's still a DJ. <laughs> pain the ass. Pain in the ass. That bad? <laughs> just pain in the ass. I love him. Uh, but it's a pain in the ass. That's what Vitaly said at the beginning of the show, too. He's a great, no, he's a great guy. He's a pain in the ass. It, he's, he's difficult. He's a great DJ. But from a personal perspective, he's a pain in the ass. But honestly, to this point, I really, I really do see this a lot with the really, really precise DJs. The guys who are really, really OCD about everything they do. And you watch their crates, and I look at their cues, and I look at... They're, they're nuts. They're insane. They're yeah. out of their mind. Yeah. Their riders are insane. Yeah. They're, they're dressing. They're but he's a great a fucking DJ. But he's an amazing DJ. Yeah. And their emails but are for long me, as hell, right? But for me, I want, I want more than that. These are my guys. And when I say my guys, I treat it as family. So when I say Mauricio's a pain in the ass, I'm not disrespecting him. I'm telling it like it is. I just got off the phone with him. I'm like, yo, let's go, baby. It's Mexico time. He's like, I don't know. Pain in the ass. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to hear, I don't know. Uh, it's, like, it's like calling your brother who's what? Pain in the ass. That's it. DJ Camilla. Loyal. 100%. He's probably my biggest soldier out of everybody. He fights the fight with me. Um, and he picks up the slack where I can't. So, salute, Camilla. I'll give you one more. Day DJ. one. Actually, day one, right? Day one. I'm going to give you somebody that, a little left field. DJ So Dope. That's my guy. That's my guy. So Dope. A.K.A. Spanky. Dope. Yeah, A.K.A. Spanky. He gets mad when we call him Spanky now. He does. He does. Shout out to You're Spanky, You're always going to be fucking Spanky to us. <laughs> Even with that verified check, you still Spanky, bro. With Spanky... I wish we could do more with him because he lives sometimes in an island by himself. Maybe because of the music he wants to play, um, which I think is a, a mistake on his behalf because there's a lot that we probably can do, but because a lot of his brothers and sisters play hip hop and they do the mainstream stuff or they do just club stuff, he might not be maximizing on what the crew could really do for him. Incredible, though. Incredible. He's got yeah, great talent. Yeah, incredible. I, 
Both yeah, I'm giving you more personal shit. So uh, that's what I'm, that's what I'm I want them for. to get mad, angry. I want them to fucking hit the like button, whatever it is. Nah, I really, really know dope on a personal level, and I, I've, yeah. I've had the conversation with him. So it's cool to see other people's perspective when you, when you talk to one person. I always like to ask the other person. I'm the father, so they, they can't say they shit. They can't say nothing. <laughs> see? They can't. And if they want, it's all good. Call me. It's all right. We'll, we'll talk. That also is amazing to me. So four years ago, I'm in Highland Ballroom. I'm, I'm on stage. It was uh, one of my first parties there. Five years ago, actually. Maybe even longer. DJ Lomo was DJing. And you were, he was opening for you. And I was young, man. I was, I was really young. I'm young now, but I was really young. And I remember walking up to you and being like, hey, man, I'm Jason. I book parties. I would love to. I remember to. that. You really do? I remember it. That's crazy. So you gave me your number. And I always. My number's I, the same. That's what I'm saying. So I, didn't, I never texted you because. <laughs> After you the ain't shit. You ain't shit. Because <laughs> you have my number for five years, you didn't book me once. So, I, <laughs> so the day after, right, I get, like, I find out, like, who you actually, like, you know, you get the surface, and then you go and do your research. I'm like, this is, this is four years down the road. I'm not going to even touch this number. Because you don't want to mess it up, and then, like, three years later. So five years later, fast forward, I get in a group chat with Camilo and you, and it's the same number. How awesome is that Fuck to you be up, huh? somebody? Yeah, no, but to be a double OG because and I stopped have that because I stopped I stopped changing my numbers because you know there's only a few assholes you could block, but I only have one or two. But for the most part, I don't have no problems with nobody. You know, I think I'm a well-rounded dude, positive. I'm really all about like I, I mean it to my heart. If I could push this DJ shit forward. If I could help anybody, that's what I want to do. I watched a lot of music meetings on Hot 97, like the videos of you. What do you hate? What do I hate about it? Yeah. I wish it was produced better. I wish you guys had a better production staff up there, that it was, it was edited better. I wish Yo, everybody had Jeff, a mic. Jeff, he's talking shit about your work. <laughs> Let's get him. No, I, just, I wish everyone was mic'd up. I can't hear some opinions. I could hear only some of them. Yeah, this is new for us, too. Yeah. It's like we've, we've never... We've never We've never kind of, um, we didn't even think this was something people were interested in, and we started to realize that it's a big deal. Um, but I promise you it's going to get better. Our objective is always to show the back end of industry to, again, bring respect to the fact that we do have a job. There is preparation. There yep. is mm -hmm. a lot of organization that's needed. And when I, when I watch those, those music meetings, you know what I mean, it's, it's interesting to see, like, what music and what opinions you guys have in, in, in a room where I don't think they realize they're being recorded because I think they're just Sometimes they'd be, they be saying shit. I'd be yeah. like, yo, you guys are brave. <laughs> yeah, like super bold, man. Super bold, super bold. But, but there, there, is, there is a culture, the community created there. And again, I was watching the music meeting live and I'm, I'm sitting there in my head and I'm like, you give everybody their own platform to talk. You give everybody their own opportunity to speak their mind. And that discipline. I need it. Yeah, but that, that discipline, where does that come part, from? A part, part of that was another reason why I started Heavy Hitters. It, it wasn't just because I wanted to be a big DJ and like, hey, I want a whole bunch of DJs with me. It wasn't really about that. To be honest with you, technology wasn't where it's at today. So I always wanted to know what was happening in other cities. Uh, back in the days, I used to report for a magazine called Hits Magazine. And there used to be a small DJ column in there where we'd, we'd pick our top three records or something like that. And they'd put our, you know, whatever, our radio station we were on and that kind of stuff. And I always felt like uh, going into the DJ space and when I was, we started to travel, we always wanted to know what was happening in other cities. 
And that's how the kind of heavy hitter thing happened, because I was like, yo, I want to know what's happening in L.A. I need to know what's bumping. Like, what's the hottest record? Like, Chicago, too. Miami. But different scenes, like dance music. House music. You guys created your own record Techno, pool, right? EDM. Pool? We had record pools for years. All that. And I thought that information was very important, especially if you was moving around. Because, you know, we had promoters like, what What we had, like NYC on the move back in the days? Remember that, Anthony? Chris Reader and them used to do that. But that was kind of like him taking the New York City vibe and taking it to Vegas. But we weren't playing what Vegas really wanted to hear. We played what the fuck we wanted to Mm-hmm. to play because that was the vibe that was no we're bringing all my friends from new york we're gonna go fucking take over your hotel and your beach in fucking vegas and that's what it is but when we didn't do that and we were on our own and you were getting booked in some fucking sleazebag spot in fucking outside of chicago if you didn't if you didn't own a billboard magazine kind of like what playlisting is today how would you know what's 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 cracking so to me, building with the other DJs was a way of getting that information. Because look, as much as we could, I could read Billboard and say, okay, these are the top 10 songs in Chicago. But if I don't know how to bring it in, how to stop it, what verse to dead, what verse we got to play for real, for real, you cannot cut this part out. That stuff is taught. A Billboard magazine ain't going to teach you that. A playlist is not going to teach you that. That's, that, that, that why, that's why, to me, DJs are still instrumental, and I don't think they're going nowhere. Yeah, we got celebrity playlisters who got probably more followers than all of us. We're going to get to that point. I really am going to argue that point with you. All right, all right, We're going to definitely get to that point, though. I would definitely argue with you on that point. All right, cool. Where the DJ culture is going and where it's going to end up. I do want to stress mental health. I don't think it's spoken about enough in nightlife. I think that we're deep we're still the least progressive industry in the entire world we're still an industry where it's all about masculinity it's all about showing that you're perfect or you have no insecurities you have no flaws and and it's 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 funny to me that the whole image that they built is this skinny like comb over dj that looks so happy but then you see the kid in his apartment and he's super depressed because he just went from spinning in front of a thousand people to being alone in his apartment and he doesn't have that attention anymore and how do you maintain that discipline in between gigs where you don't have that attention for the next four days? You gotta have life. You gotta have. Um, you gotta live life, man. There has to be a balance. Like I'm, you know. I fucked up my first marriage because I chased this so much that I love this more than I love my first wife. So I promised the second time I got married. I got just just got married a couple about last month. I promised I was gonna do it with somebody who truly understand who understood who I was and what I was chasing and that maybe me and her could chase the same exact dream. I had my life, she has her life. Um, And then when we collect, collectively get together to to unite and do what we have to do, it's still there. Got kids, I got my boys around me, I got, you know, this hobby, there's all kinds of things that we could do. We can't stay high on the fact that we just DJed a a building full with 3,000 people, you know, it lasts a couple of hours and that's it. Take it for what it's worth and keep it moving. But if you're stuck thinking you're gonna get that all the time, you're mistaken. You're sadly mistaken. 
it's not more of a, a mistake. You can't really tell someone, like, by the way someone feels that it's a mistake to feel that way. I strongly believe that they don't have a choice. I feel like you get home, you're alone, you're sitting there, you're like, hey, my phone's not buzzing. I'm not at the club. When I'm at the club two hours before, my phone was blowing up. Blowing up. Blowing up. Blowing up. It's two hours after. The only person that's hitting me up is the girl trying to get laid that I'm trying to avoid. Right. So, I mean, it's... <laughs> that you're trying to avoid. At least trying to sometimes. Um, but regardless, it, it, it comes to a point where, where even when you're home, your friends aren't your friends. You just went on tour. You just went to Dallas. You just went to Texas. You missed this guy's birthday. For me? No, I'm DJ, I, the I, DJ culture in I, general. I don't want to see none of them. I'm good. It makes no difference to you. You have your no, immediate... because because I'm older now. I know that rolling 40 deep at one time might have meant something. I don't even know to who. Um, now I, go, I, I come to the club with two or three guys, max. Let me kind of rephrase. I, I don't really mean how many people are in your life. I mean, let's say you start off 2019 with 30 close friends. Right. You now get booked at Aura in Houston. You get booked in Toronto. You get booked in Shanghai. Oh, you have no time for everybody. You're going to miss this guy's birthday. You're going to miss yeah. this guy's engagement. You're going to miss this guy's wedding. Throughout the year, that's going to really thin out your friendship. Group. It is. Now, I understand that. But you got to pick and choose that also. Exactly. So, again, so I understand that that's part of the game and that's how you're supposed to grow and mature. But that being said, going through that, Instead of abusing alcohol, instead of abusing drugs, and instead of abusing other things that are going to help you get past that, guys like you, guys like Vitaly, guys that are older now, should have this open, open communication to the younger generation to actually have them reach out and be like, hey, listen, yes, it's tough. I get it. I get it. It's tough. They don't really need to hear much. It's just that a place to reach out to, and we don't have that in this game. And that needs to change, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, I strongly believe it. I'm down to help. Who, need, figure, we, who needs it? Call me up. 1-800-ENOUGH. Yo, start that. Somebody, somebody get that <laughs> URL, too. Somebody get that domain. We'll start doing, like, a live chat. Yo, here, you know, not for nothing, hearing the way you're expressing, I guess, today's DJ, I'm starting to feel a little sad for today's DJ. You should. It's not, it's not as, um, it doesn't seem to be as great as, as, as it's supposed to be. If I see you DJ and I mute the music, I can still watch you enjoying the music. If right. I put a DJ on that's now, that's current, and I mute the music and I watch him up there, all I see him is scrolling for another song. You understand? He, he's not he's built. Not, he's not he's dancing. Not built he's to not enjoy. moving around. He's not. I look at Spanky DJ. That boy's sweating his right. ass off right. up there. You know what I'm saying? I see you, anybody up there that truly cares about the music as opposed to being in the club, it's different. It's a different vibe. Well. It's a different vibe. And Maybe we some of the younger guys are just missing life. Outside to, of it. There has to be. There has to be. Look, one of my guys, when he used to produce music, he would produce music and stay in the basement all for 12 hours. I said, you went outside today? He goes, no. I said, come on, get dressed. Where are we going? To the store. Come on. No, 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 I want to finish. No, bro. You got to breathe. You got to go to the store. You got to see what the kids are playing on, in the car when they're passing the avenue. Go to the fucking bodega and see what the fuck's happening. You got to breathe. You're making music for yourself. You're not making music for nobody else. Maybe the kids got to do the same thing. Just go outside and breathe a little bit. You're going to be astonished by what I say next, but I think what you don't understand is that people can't go outside without a $500 outfit on. So it's now crazy. you're thinking to yourself, yeah, no, this is, this is, this is the culture is we this live in. Is this what's really happening? This is the culture we live in. So it's like... 
I'll stay home because I don't have a new outfit. Me to and Anthony to the club. are good. I got <laughs> I got Vans on from 1975. I had the same Vans on. You know what I mean? I had the same Vans on. I got some on. Ralph Lauren jeans that are probably going to be out of style next week, next year, and a classic material T-shirt from you know. And that that's from Williamsburg, Brooklyn. But that's what this generation lacks: humility and just just the modesty. And we we don't see that anymore in nightlife. We used to see details. We used to see like you get a you get a detailed event, and there was so much intricacy to it. Now it's just big. It's, I want. The big stage. I want a big DJ. What happened to intimate setting nightlife? Like that was where, in my opinion, like me, finale think, nightclub, six, seven hundred yeah, people. That was. I think booming. those are amazing nights because you get to actually have the one-on-one -on -one conversations. You look at them. You might say something like, "There she goes. She's moving around." Or look at my man. He's popping bottles. He's amazing. He's sweating. He's on fire. You know, those those conversations go a long way. And yeah, it's amazing. I'm not going to front. There's, there's, there's night and day from doing stadium, doing stadiums, concert venues, you know, festivals. But some of my best parties have been with 300 people in a little lounge. You know what I mean? When I when I interviewed Flex, he mentioned that his favorite room to spend is a half half empty room. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite quotes on the show was that we get a lot of backlash by people like, "Oh, the room is." Bro, you can't pay to do a job. You love to do this, go do it. But they lack the love for the music. Mm. You understand? They want to be in a room. Mm -hmm. They want to be downtown. They're having FOMO. And this is the DJ culture we're, li we're living in. And I, I, I really do believe you being at the forefront, you being El Presidente, you being the general. You know what I'm saying? I know you used to have a show up next. What if we did that kind of with DJs? But on the other end, just teach him. You're not going to be up next. You might not even go nowhere. Right now, you're a glorified intern. And just come learn, man. Come learn about the music. Come learn about the history of the music. And that's what we lack in this industry. Yeah. There is no blueprint. There is no book to read. I think there guys, is no guide. I think people want it too fast. I don't think they work hard. Um, it's important to maximize our opportunities, but you got to know a little something. Yeah, you can fake it to and make it, but do you make it, but... You got to have a little bit of knowledge, man. Just love the music, some technique, and then whatever your goals are, just go for it. But, um, yeah, you're right. The DJs need a little bit of help. I didn't realize it was that bad. Fuck. Well, this, this is the show. We bridge the gap between... between you sure, between you sure do. We bridge the gap. I, I, I just... It really... This is nothing that I've written by. This is nothing... This is off, the, off my sheer passion for the industry. It really bothers me when I'm out. And, again, I'll be at the bar just hanging out. I'm out all the time, and... They sit next to me, they'll talk to me. And I'll be like, I don't even know your last name. And I'm sitting here. Maybe you should go to some of the older functions. I do, I do, you I know, do. Just, just so I you do. can kind of vibe and see what those other DJs are doing and seeing what they're doing, how they're doing it. I'm talking about like One Oak, man. I'm not even talking about like, right, I'm talking right. about, one, I'm in nine clubs a weekend. This past, it's, it's this past, bad. It's bad, huh? this past weekend, I was in Philadelphia, Atlantic City, New York. In Brooke. Like, I, I, it's that bad, huh? I'm everywhere, bro. It's bad. <laughs> and when you travel with DJs and you're on the road with them and you're in, like, it's bad. Um, I want to round it off with relationships. You brought up the marriage. Uh, it's really difficult to navigate relationships. You found one that apparently has a common goal. I find that that doesn't matter, to me at least. I'd rather have somebody who's successful on their own, I'm successful on my own, and we can come connect at the top. You found a relationship that supports what you're trying to do you've tried both which way obviously this is geared more but what are some of the differences that you've seen between both uh right now 
I, I think it's, it's what you said, you know, her having her own life, me having mine. And then when we get together, it's just like, oh shit, it just amplifies everything. Um, and that's what it's supposed to be about. You have my back, I have yours. And then you gotta make time for each other. That's the thing that's important. Like those dates we talked about, uh, your friends getting married. Yeah, I'm gonna have to dead my gig this weekend because I'm going to Texas to go to my man's wedding. That, those things are important. Yeah, and especially if they deserve it. If they're good people and they're your friends, that's what you have to make time for. That's, that to me is the relationship because it, it, those relationships, they last forever. You want to be in that space. I want to, if I'm going to be rich or broke in 10 years from now, I'd rather have relationships, you know, than be all by myself in my room looking at my Serato. <laughs> well, well, let's talk about the future of DJs. This is the conversation we've had on the show, and I'm... You're debating it, huh? I'm about to, yeah. yeah You're debating it? Oh, we're about to get into it. Uh, yeah, so this is, this, is, this is my take on it. I strongly believe in the next 15 to 10, 20 years. I, I honestly think it's going to happen in the next 5 to 10. Okay. But just for you to kind of come on my side a little bit, I'm going to say 15, 20. I strongly believe in the next 5 to 10 years, AI is going to take over nightlife. I always said this. They're I, trying that now. And I, and, I, and I strongly believe they can. If you look at casinos and the way casino gaming works and the way they match up their heart rate to keeping the place really cold to right. having red on the board to make them gamble harder, whatever the psychological aspect of it is, it's very easy to predict pattern in humanity. Very easy. That being said, if you match up a BPM with a heart rate, with a temperature of the room, with added tempo, you might be able to actually just have a robot DJ up there and have the same effect. You might. Now, but, now, but, now, now, there's but, a lot of things that, that a robot can never do. Ro of course. Robots are too up, expensive. We'll get, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Now, now, ready? Now, ready? If I told you... You could just pay Avicii. I mean, rest in peace. You, rest you, in peace. You could, you could pay Calvin Harris or whatever he wants. <laughs> put a, a robot's going to cost too much bread. You see that? Again, again, everything... A real AI robot everything is going to cost millions and millions of dollars. Exactly. I Easy. Agree, I agree with you. But as you see transportation... They're still going to play flexing me money. I agree Just to with do you. It for, I don't uh, again. Couple of couple of bucks. Again, it's not it's not that I think that it's gonna substitute what you guys do. I strongly believe that it's gonna be an option of people to pay once I agree. for a year. So if you're gonna come into a situation where you're gonna tell an owner, hey, I'm gonna cut your cost of, of booking and I never you never need to book an opener or a closer or a headliner. You never have to really care about bro, you you have what do you Look, this is how it works. I'm break it down to you. I'm gonna use this as a perfect example. You have a broom that you manly sweep. You have a vacuum cleaner that you manually vacuum. And then you have the one that does it on its own. They're still all three here. Yeah, I agree They're with all you. three are still here. And all three of them are furnishing different products. If you go to, if right. you go to the projects, if you go to the projects, you'll see true. a broom. If you go to no, my house. No, the project's house, still yeah. in Home Depot, I'm even in Beverly Hills. The broom is still there. It's not though. It's it is. not. It's not. It's, it's look, still but again, there. It's, a, it's a necessity. It's a necessity. A broom is a necessity. A DJ is not a necessity. I'm trying to get that point across to no, you. No, don't say that. It's not. It's, it's not. not good for you. I feel you. Have a show called the Function House. I, no, it's you industry to, talk. It's to, industry talk. We have to DJ's keep this alive. DJs, artists, and athletes. But no, I strongly believe that it's not. In, in five to ten years from now, it won't be necessary. And to prove it to you, to prove it to you, how many times do we get, do we book DJs? that are not good DJs, because we don't care if they play music, good music or not. That's true. So we don't care about that the music. Part, that the music is, is not 
Well, if, well if, hopefully, the more and more people watch your show, the more and more that. they'll understand what real DJing is, and they'll have respect for the DJ. To so, me. Stop promoting the AI guy and fucking promote us. There's nobody that gets behind New York City DJs more I know, than me. So I'm behind let's not talk the culture about, let's all not, the way. Let's not talk about this anymore. Like for your next, for the, for the, the next, uh, the, for the next guys who come. I'm looking for this sharper image sponsorship, even, bro. I'm looking for this don't sponsorship. Even, don't even bring this up, bro. Change it. Come on, Jay. You could do it. Oh, man. Well, look. It I'm took you five years to fucking use my number. I'm going to look really smart or look really dumb in 10 years. I'll say that. No, you're not. It's, I really strongly believe. I don't know why people don't see it. I, I don't understand. Like, people didn't see double-decker buses, and now they'll make triple-decker buses probably next. Like, you're seeing look, literally, the, the like. The girl in Vegas, she could deal you cards on, on the screen, or you could get dealt with, with the real guy. They still want to go to the. They still want to go to the real dealer. Okay, I understand that, but it, there's a whole casino literally 45 minutes away from here that's all no automated. Yeah, that's all automated. I know. And 30 years from now, 30 years before this, you would never have agreed with me. But true. I am telling you specifically, if I walk to an owner and I tell them for 50 grand, you never have to book a DJ for the next five years, and I'll be the one to pack your club without even flinching, that guy's going to a safety deposit box. I'm telling you. If you're the guy who's saying that, I am wearing a Jason shirt with an X through it. Like we do not support Jason anymore. Again, again, again. I would never, I would never go out and do something like that. That's but good. to me, this That's is good. this is where the culture is going to a point where you're gonna try to cut costs at every point. Why would Look, you not cut that cost as well? You're right. You're absolutely right. But I don't like what you're saying. So I see. That's all. We're, I gonna, we're to gonna get off the subject. Okay. And if you're around in 15, 20 years, then we could revisit. Wow, we'll, we'll do this, Anthony. Lock this in. Because, yo, bro, I'm going to be around 15, 20 years, and I'm the triple OG. I'll be the triple, 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 triple OG, <laughs> but I'm still going to be around. Right, well, I mean, I got your number now. <laughs> I got your number now, so I'll make, sure, make sure to hit you up my first AI party. No, I'll make so sure good. to hit you oh, up. Come on, Jason, with the AI party. Stop. <laughs> Grandmaster uh, Flash and Theodore and Hawk, they... They got ulcers right now. Oh, man. I'm just trying to promote Pajama Fest, October, October 12th, <laughs> Area 51 edition. I'm just trying to promote that. But no, I, again, that's a conversation that I've had with. So, wait, are you going to have an AI person no, DJing I do, at this party? No, so at I, the no, pajama party? No, no, no. I do have three LED robots that are going to like intrude and make an actual like intrusion in the party, like with like. Look, I'm not mad CO2 at you, bro. And stuff you know like why? That. At the end of the day, you support DJs. If that's part of bringing today's DJ code, you know, culture forward, then I'm fucking all for it. Look, I'm completely behind New York City DJ. I would never actually, I believe that I would be part of the underground in that scenario. Meaning like if the mainstream took over, I would be in the underground scene throwing parties like the tunnel where we're rocking paint off the wall. Gotcha. You understand? That's where I would be in that role. But that doesn't mean that I can't see the future and what it's going to be. This is true. And that's what I want to explain. I don't want to see. I don't want to Be ready. I don't want to see. Be ready for it. I'm not it. ready for 15, 20 years from now. I could deal barely, with the, barely I could ready for de next week. I could deal with the first five. That's it. No, no AI DJs. Uh, so to recap, no AI DJs. DJ enough. Completely against that. Uh, I don't want to end on that. Did, so. did we talk enough about me? Did we talk? Was, did we, did, did we, we do all right? It. I think we covered We it. did? Not really, right? Did, all right. But again, this no, is more so of an in, industry-based show. My bad. Industry. industry. Shout out to the industry. Y'all niggas are shady. Sorry. But yo, they are. 
Half the people in the industry, they ain't, they ain't gonna fuck with you in five years from now. Agree. They only use you when you have access, when they need you for access. But as as a young, when when you were really young and you had access to things that you weren't supposed to quote unquote have access to, how did you control like who you chose to have that relationship with? Who are you gonna put on? Who's gonna actually? give something back who's going to maintain that relationship and actually care for it i don't know if i thought that deep at all no that was too deep for me i was young i just did it based on heart i did it on base something as simple as like you know the anthony guy he's dope we did a party together in cancun i fuck with him get that to him just as simple as that that's crazy if he fucks me then it's i'm not gonna beat him up it's like and Anthony guy's an asshole. Fuck him. No more for him. That's it. It's as simple as that, bro. Well, I learned a lot from this interview, man. I really did. You did? I, I learned so much from you. I, I, just sitting there earlier, just watching you okay. talk and interact with, with Vitalia. That's my favorite part of the show is like when you guys. Because <laughs> it's a whole realm of things that I, I have well, never Vitalia experienced. Vitalia knows how to fucking crab. I, I never learned how to crab. <laughs> I always feel like I would get fucking um, arthritis. Well, that's what well, he learned that from the after parties, the hotels. That's, 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 that's something else. That started as something else for him. We talk about the double OGs. I do want to touch on one thing before we go: the tunnel. Give me your, give me your story of the tunnel, how you perceive that venue, and just give me a little bit about. On what that. night? Flex night. Talk about the flex night. Talk about what, what's memorable Wednesday, to you. Wednesdays. What's memorable to you mostly? You're, you're mad we didn't speak enough about you. So. I used to go on Wednesdays, and it used to be all about dance music. It was all house music. Uh, we used to have a really good time in there. Um, and we probably could stay there until like damn near 12 the next day. Wait, through the whole night, through yeah, the morning? Of course. Flex was something special because it was never done, especially in New York City on a Sunday night. Who parties on a Sunday? Now everyone does, but back then, it was amazing. The artists that came through there was everybody and anybody. Whatever made up New York hip hop, the culture, they were there. And it was just like, it was the hardest, roughest crowd you would ever love. Because once you played their music, they were your best friend. If you didn't know how to play, they would boo you. That's probably shit Flex don't even talk about. You know, I remember Riz opening up, me, Cypher, Cap. Um, but the room was tough. Like, you, you know, you have to play certain verses all the way to the end. Couldn't cut shit. Like today, all oh, these kids, you, you guys cut shit in 50 seconds, next record. Back then, you couldn't cut the record like that, no. They're singing every lyric. And if they don't get that shit off, they're like, yo, this DJ's fucking trash. And they'll throw some bottles at you. Th yeah. You got a bottle thrown at you. But see, that's the thing. Maybe there's not enough people throwing bottles at you guys. And, you know, it's today. not. No, I agree with Maybe you. Maybe I should come up with the OGs and start throwing bottles at you guys so you guys know not to do it again. It's like a kid touches fire. What, are you going to talk him and put him in timeout? You can't touch the fire. No, you're going to slap the shit out. Because you want the instant reaction, like, you're going to fucking burn yourself. And I'm going to slap you on your hand because it's either me slapping you on your hand or you're just going to fucking burn. 
So maybe we gotta <laughs> we gotta slap some of these kids around. I, I mean, listen, man. You, you talk about going from record to record. People are no, not even mixing records. People are slamming records. No, I watch slam, DJ no. just slam, slam records. Back. I, you I just slam. slam and just use your vocals as a crutch in between. It's crazy. I slam, but I slam. I think I, I clean. I'm a, I'm a clean slammer. Um, That's got to be a term, by the way, dubbed by DJ. Clean no. slammer. Clean slammer. Clean slammer. I don't know. Facts. Um. What were we talking about? The club, tunnel. Slamming, slamming records. records. We're on slamming records. Okay. So you're going to tell me you never DJed a party? I don't DJ. You don't DJ at all? Never been. You just DJ. book people. I'm all right, so book. at your party. <laughs> you didn't book me, but anyway. So listen, so you're going to tell me, Jason, mm -hmm. that you never seen a crowd boo your DJ? Never. Like, yo, get the fuck in. Get They'll come to me, complain to me, but they won't go directly to him or yeah, say anything well, to Well, him. that's that's nice. Yeah. We weren't lucky enough to have that. Guys would throw shit at you, man. They would curse you out. They would come fucking 15 deep to the DJ booth and threaten your life. Fuck you up. Anthony, you don't ever told Jason none of this stuff? No, you, you hear, you hear, you hear. It's not just a tunnel, bro. It's, it's not just a tunnel. It's everywhere, bro. Like, that's just the way it was. Biggie was throwing water at, at, at Big Cap. Rest in peace, Big Cap. Because he was upset. It was a hot day. Big Cap, rest in peace, would always put his vinyl together, not with the sleeves. And so after a while, they get scratched. They get warped. You know, it happens. Changes the game, man. The, the, the difference between, like, like, you know how many times I have these guys come to, my, come to the DJ booth and not be ready because club kit because of some Serato they have to download their laptop overheats their laptop like how do you not have both like, I don't understand this concept where you come to the DJ booth and now you're asking me about club kit now you're asking me about Serato yeah, now you you're asking have, for the Wi-Fi password yeah, to download whatever and I'm again I, I'm, I'm really trying to be there and, and, and always be like hey send me send me what I put them in a group chat with Marty Rock who's the, was my, my DJ who Marty Rock right there in the back uh, he always he always, you know, breaks down the technical aspects of everything. But there's this gap between what the people know and what they don't know. Because I'll tell you for a fact, a lot of the radio DJs, when they come to my club, I need to have Marty Rock plug them in. I need to have the opener plug them in because they can't even get plugged in. What do you mean they can't get plugged they in? They can't get plugged in, bro. It's, it's, it's the technical aspect to whatever has to be done to get plugged in to make that transition from the opening to the, to the headliner always has to be done by the opener. And this is not a knock to specifically radio DJs, to a lot of DJs that I see. I'll have to go get somebody from the back to come to the front and, hey, I need you to plug him in. This guy's getting paid triple me. Yeah. He can't plug in himself? Yeah. What he was supposed to do was, if you're the promoter, what kind of mixture you have, what kind of whatever, and then at that point he knows whether he has the fucking the software for it or not. It's that simple. DJs at home, just please come prepared. And if not, just ask. Just ask, email, text, do something. I mean, you're available. It's not like we only have minutes nine to five. But it sense. happens. Let me see. I did a gig the other day. Brand new restaurant in Brooklyn, BK Lobster. I went there. I didn't have the, uh, I didn't have the download software for the, what is it, the DDJ SX2? I had it for the one, and I had it for the three, but not for the two. All right, so it took a few minutes, but it's, you know, just log in, download it. Boop, 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 boop. Okay, we're ready. 
Wasn't that bad. You don't think you should have thumb drives with you as well? So let's say the computer burns or crashes, you can now just go to your thumb drive. No, I just fucking rap and sing to them. You have, you see, you have that. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Industry Talk, episode nine. Shout out to Vitaly, shout out to the Function House guys. Clap it up for DJ Close Enough. <laughs> a lighter side to a lighter side to the industry. I, love, I really enjoyed <laughs> this interview. Thank you so much. Thank you, bro. It's an honor. All right, cool. Yo, Pat, we're gonna go to his spots and we're gonna get like plastic bottles and we're gonna start throwing them at the DJ.